Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So if you're here with me right now, you probably listen to a lot of podcasts like I do, and maybe you've thought about starting your own. I need you to stop thinking and take action on that. I'm going to help you start your own podcast. You can do this. It's not as hard as you think. Not only will I be able to help you figure out the equipment you need and how to pitch guests and how to be consistent, but we can also talk about strategies on how to actually make money from your show. All you have to do is go over to startthatpodcast.com to work with me, sign up for a one-on-one consultation, and I will make that happen for you. As a listener of the show, I have a special offer going on right now, so make sure that you go and take advantage of that. Once again, the link is startthatpodcast.com. Hey, it's Monique. Welcome back to the podcast or welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 168. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to share overall wellness topics and vegan entrepreneurship topics because... This is truly a lifestyle. Make sure you can hang out with me on Instagram and on YouTube. My handle on both platforms is Brown Vegan. So yes, I hope you're having an amazing day. As always, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to shout out our listener review. Thank you so much to Eugene Christina for leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. The title of the review is Interesting and Encouraging. I really like the recent episode with Rashida Joy in particular. The host asks a lot of great questions with all of her guests. The solo episodes are also good with practical tips about going and staying vegan. Thank you so, so much for that review. If you are enjoying the show, and I hope you are, make sure that you go over to Apple Podcasts, search Brown Vegan, scroll down to the bottom, tap five stars and leave a review. It's a great and free way to support the show. It allows other people to find us. I thank you in advance for doing that. So on this week's episode of the show, I have Ida on here. She actually pitched me a little while ago to be a guest on the show. And I thought that she would be a good fit because I've had some requests from people who want to have more guests on the show who haven't been vegan for years and years. And Ida has only been vegan for about two years. So I thought that her perspective would be really good, like a nice, fresh perspective of what veganism looks like. And so in our conversation, we talk about her basically starting off as a pescatarian 
Marion and she actually has been one since she was 12 years old. So we just talk about that experience, tips on how to start a vegan lifestyle these days. Some of her tips are very, very practical, including the YouTube thing and like going to YouTube and watching people cook recipes. Instagram is amazing. We know that. But if you really want to get in depth of how to put meals together and get like really good tips that aren't super fast, like Instagram can tend to be and TikTok, YouTube is the way to go. So I'm so glad that she shared that information. We also talked about veganizing some of her her cultural meals and why that's so important to her. How to feel satisfied as far as like being satisfied with food when you decide to become a vegan. So because, you know, sometimes in that those beginning stages, you're not feeling is satisfied because meat tends to be so heavy. So we discussed that. I really think this was a really good conversation because I feel like it was practical, but she also emphasized the importance of eating whole ingredients, which is so easy to kind of fall back on a lot of the meat replacements, which I think are amazing, but they shouldn't be the main source of meals. So just cooking and experimenting and being open to trying new methods of eating is so, so important. So of course, all of the show notes and everything mentioned in this episode can be found at brownvegan.com. And yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation with Ida. I first started being pescatarian when I was 12. So I saw, you know, chickens and and cows and sheep get slaughtered at a really young age. And that just really traumatized me. So, you know, I started with red meat and then I quickly took chicken off the table, like maybe a couple months after. And then, you know, I was just eating fish and dairy products up until... During, you know, kind of when when the pandemic started. And I honestly, I, you know, just sometimes I would look for vegan dishes or search vegan because I don't know, it would just be easier to find things that would work for me. Maybe vegetarian dishes might not look very good, or I don't know. I sometimes I would just Google them for whatever reason. So then I kind of basically came across like Tabitha Brown, and then she really made eating vegan food more interesting and not feeling like it's just, you know, carrots and celery and salads all day long. And so then I just started to kind of play around in the kitchen with more and more vegan dishes. And then I wanted to like test myself to see if this is something that I could actually sustain this lifestyle. And then I didn't want to put too much pressure on myself, but I kind of just started eating more and more vegan dishes and then realized that I don't really need the dairy and and the seafood. And then I also started watching some documentaries. So it kind of all like happened right around the same time with watching like Game Changers and Seaspiracy and that sort of thing. And so then I was like, okay, well, this probably isn't good. And knowing this information now, I just really couldn't continue to do this without feeling guilty. If I was feeling guilty about the, you know, eating the cows and, and chickens and, and lamb and things like that, then it's like, I needed to make it across the board. And also just finding more information about how, you know, cows are forcibly impregnated, which I guess you kind of know, but you don't really think about, or at least in my sense, Mm -hmm. I didn't really think about that. And then there were like, we're taking their milk and that we don't really need to take their milk and that you can They've been brainwashed, you know, by doctors and society and, you know, got milk commercials and things like that, making you feel like you need to have milk. And even my daughter, her pediatrician, 
she even was like her last checkup. She's like, so how many, how many glasses of milk is she drinking a day? I'm like, we don't, we don't drink milk. It's like, we're vegan in our household. And she, Ooh, what was that response like? And she's like, why? <laughs> and I went, Wait, was it like really uncomfortable? Why? Or was it like, I don't just curious. Kind of like, why are you malnourishing your child? Why? Like, oh, wow. It was not very supportive. And then I honestly really wasn't thinking too much about the calcium aspect of her diet because she takes multivitamins and, you know, she takes the, she, she eats a wide variety of vegetables. So I, I guess I wasn't too concerned about her calcium intake at the time, but then she, I wouldn't say she switched up her tone, but then when she realized that, you know, that this is just how we eat in our household, then she was offering me plant-based options on how, how my daughter could get calcium. And so I just was a little bit more aware, but overall, my daughter's a healthy child. I don't think she's deficient in anything. So I really don't get too concerned about whether or not she's getting all of her nutrients in different areas. I like how your doctor took a little time to try to educate you, even though you probably, of course, knew this information for yourself, just from your own research. I do like that she took the time to let you know what the options are to help. That's a good thing. She kind of like changed the tone, it sounds like, a little bit to help yeah, you, I opposed to like realize. talk you out of it. <laughs> yeah, I think when she realized that I wasn't going, she wasn't going to make me feel bad, then she was like, okay, well, let me just give her some other options. Yeah. How old is your daughter? She's 10. She's 10. Oh, okay. So she's a big girl. Yeah. So how long, so how, you said you've been doing this for about two years, right? So at the height of the pandemic is kind of, it sounds like when you started. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So you got to tell me then, your daughter was, what, seven, eight years old when you made the transition. Did she give you some issues? I need to know because I know I was in the same boat with my own kids. They were a little older. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I'm trying to remember. I feel like it's so long ago now. Let's, the sense of top says 20, like 2020. I don't, I don't know anymore either. <laughs> I will say I didn't force it on her. I let her make her own decisions, but I also was letting her know, like, you know, I'm not going to bring meat in the house anymore. So if you want meat cooked, you're going to have to get it somewhere else. Like I basically was, you know, it's like you can, you know, sometimes she'll eat lunch at school and she mm -hmm. still does this every now and again. And it may not be a hundred percent vegan meal, but I don't put the full pressure on her to, to be hundred percent vegan. I do try to educate her and have her understand why we should be hundred or she should be hundred percent plant-based, but she's not hundred percent there yet, but everything in our house is vegan. And, you know, my mom sometimes will give her stuff that's not vegan, even though I tell her not to, <laughs> but yeah, she's, she's okay with it. I think milk was a, a little bit of a hurdle for her but she she got used to it and now she loves it and now she actually doesn't like milk anymore she actually doesn't care for it so mm -hmm. that part is nice she doesn't really miss dairy we used to have a lot of different dairy products in our house and then i just tried to do a ve veganize it like a vegan cheese get like vegan string cheese like sour cream, vegan sour cream and stuff like that. But then, I don't know, eventually I think she just stopped not wanting it. So she just... She just got used to it, yeah. She just got used to it. So I would say, I mean, for 
for me not starting this from when she was born, I think she's okay, but I wasn't going to force it down her throat. So <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. You know, it's, it's interesting. Cause sometimes I used to kind of, when my kids were younger, I used to be nervous to tell people that, you know, especially other vegans, I used to be nervous to say that my kids weren't vegan. Cause they were like, well, how is your kids not vegan? And you are like, how you, not, how is that not, how is that even possible? Yeah. And the truth is like, I would do it like you. I would have everything in the house was vegan, but you know, they would go visit my parents. They would go to school. They would do other things. And it's just like, I just had to let that go and realize that I'm going to do the best I can and hopefully give them a solid foundation. And if when they grow up, if they decide they want to do it, then that's amazing. If not, at least they have some information if they decide to do it later kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I know that's not like the most popular, but it's real. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I respect everybody's way of transitioning their household, and I think even Tabitha Brown said that her son is not 100% vegan either. So it's like we need to stop judging people on where they're at in their journey, and just mm-hmm. accept them for where they're at. And you know, once they're, you know, have had age, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're entitled to make their own decisions, especially when it's outside of the household. So you can only police it so much, you know, <laughs> it's like, do I really want to have that fight with my child every day on no, her, I don't. You know, going to <laughs> a birthday party and she wants, you know, and I'm like packing her own special meal and, you know, she's, and she's not eating with everybody else. It's like, if somebody else wants to do that, totally fine. But that's just not where we're at. If she wanted me to do that, I'd be happy to, but we're not, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. I hear you. So let's talk about when you were growing up, your relationship with food. I always like to find out like where people came from when it comes with the money. Well, I said with the money, with the food, because I think I'm thinking about what you said about the relationship with meat and wealth. And that's probably why I said money. But just give us like some of your experience as far as your childhood when it came to food and how you think that that relates to your life now? Yeah, so I'm first generation born in the U.S. My family is from Eritrea. And so I grew up with really strong Eritrean roots. There's such a rich culture in the Seattle area where I live. And so I was just used to people going to the, I guess the slaughterhouse, like where you go get... You know, like where you go get the freshly cut lamb. Like the butcher? Yeah. Like a butcher kind of thing? Yeah. I don't even think it's the butcher because the butcher, it's they're already dead. But yeah, that's true. you're actually like going out, picking a lamb, and they're like slaughtering it for you and like cutting it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's like you're actually going to like a farm. So I, I think it's probably, you can call it like a farm, you know, slaughterhouse, whatever that you call it. Because they that's just what they were used to back home because- the meat in the grocery stores, you know, if you've had, you know, fresh meat versus like what's in the grocery stores, it tastes vastly different. And so that's just like, you know, it's like if you had the money, cause it's gotten more and more expensive to do that from what I've been told, then you're, you would be getting it from the slaughterhouse, especially if it's like around, you know, after fasting. So, you know, a lot of Eritreans, Ethiopians, they, they fast for months up until the Orthodox, with the Orthodox calendar, it's a little bit different. So Easter is normally a little bit later for the most part from the American calendar for Easter. But a lot of people will celebrate with lamb 
or like, I don't know if it's somebody's getting married or whatever the case may be. Cause that's kind of one of the times that I was at a slaughterhouse. So like, if you have those things, then people are like, oh yeah, they have money. They have a lot of money to spend that sort of thing. Or if somebody regularly goes like, like you said, to like a butcher, it's still more fresh than what's at the grocery store. And they'll be like, oh yeah, this person's got money type of thing. But if you equate it to like in America where somebody gets like Wagyu beef or like a, a sirloin steak. I don't even really know these things because <laughs> I know what you're saying. Meat, <laughs> I, I stopped eating meat so young, but like these are things, Wagyu beef and whatever those grass fed things like that. It's like, obviously you have a little bit more money. So it's kind of like the same thing. But what for me is so interesting is that my mom follows all of the different religious holidays within the Orthodox calendar. So she's actually vegan more calendar days out of the year than she's not vegan. Because mm. that's just what you do for different religious holidays. You go vegan and then there's Lent, which is very common. But the only difference is that you're vegan, not necessarily just giving up one item. I think Lent for other cultures is giving up something. Whereas this is, you're just strictly vegan. So actually I love when my mom's vegan because then she cooks a lot of traditional like vegan dishes or you know there's like shuttle which is like a chickpea like grind it up kind of thing and then they there's like lentils those are kind of traditional but my mom likes to remix some dishes is what I like to say with like I think in what people know in Amharic which is Ethiopian they call dorowat which in Tigrinya is tzavhi and so that's tzavhi or dorowat tzavhi Mm-hmm. Like a red sauce, but my mom will use mushrooms. And she actually does butternut squash sometimes, which is so amazing. So it's just, you know, just just like I've seen Hispanics, Latin people do their own veganized options or Creole do their own. Like I feel like different cultures are slowly coming, getting there, but there's still just that stigma with within the Eritrean culture that in order to be healthy, you need to have meat. And so my mom's still like, every time I try to tell her, like, you should just be vegan, like, all the time. And she's like, no, I can't. She's like, no, I love my meat. And she's not even a big meat eater. She just likes to have fish and, and chicken every now and again. But but yeah, that's we still have a long way to go with mm-hmm. educating in, in that area. But it seems like she's open-minded, though. I like that. I mean... The fact that she's experimenting with a lot of the food is a good sign in itself. So I think I think she'll come around eventually. My mom is definitely very conscious with her health. So she definitely comes at it from a health standpoint. And so she she does definitely try to eat a lot of fruits and veggies, but she still definitely has this mentality of protein comes from an animal type of situation so I think that's where you know it's just she's coming at it from somebody who who's not a vegan I think for me that took me a while too when I was giving up fish because I was normally like fish and tofu were it but then I was like oh my gosh there's so many other ways to get protein like why why do I need to rely on this and then after it's like you watch documentaries and you really educate yourself and it's like, how can you, how could you not be vegan? You know, it's like, the, there's just so much guilt there on what's doing to the environment, what it's doing to the animals, what it's doing to my health. 
So it's, it's just like, I think if you don't want to educate yourself on these things, then, you know, I guess the good old saying, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> so if you, if you don't know, then it's hard, then you can easily ignore it. It's Monique hopping in to tell you about one of my favorite brands of cookies and to let you know how you can save some money when you try them for yourself. Shout out to Maxine's Heavenly for sponsoring this episode of the show. I've told you about them before and I'm gonna keep talking about them because they make delicious gluten-free cookies that will satisfy any sweet tooth without a million ingredients. Maxine's Heavenly Cookies are naturally sweetened using ingredients like dates and coconut sugar. They have two lines of delicious cookies to choose from. From their super soft line of cookies, my favorites are the peanut butter chocolate chunk and snickerdoodle. And from their crispy line, I would say that my all-time favorite out of all the cookies has to be the chocolate chip. It's like the perfect ratio of chocolate chips and crunch. Ugh, my favorite. I think you'll love those. For a generous 25% discount, all you have to do is head over to MaxinesHeavenly.com and use the discount code BROWNVEGAN to save some money on your first purchase. Once again, that is MaxinesHeavenly.com, discount code BROWNVEGAN as one word. I'll also be sure to link them in the show notes for this episode, as well as the blog post to make it easy for you to click through and purchase. So let's talk about this because you've been doing this for two years. I know that this is really fresh in your mind, but I want to know when you first started, did you have concerns about, I know you were talking about the fish and you wanted to make sure you got protein. Were there other nutrients that you were concerned about not getting enough of? Like, are there some things that you had to educate yourself more on? Like, how did that look for you when you first got started? Yeah, I think protein was the only one that I really thought about, but once you start, you know, Googling things and really educating yourself on different things, you can see all the different plant-based options that give you the nutrients that you need. So I wasn't really worried. And I think I was just more so, yeah, the protein aspect and just trying to stay full. <laughs> if I could keep yes, Okay. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because I know when I first went vegan, I remember being hungry in the beginning. Were you hungry? <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, it just depended on, on what I was making. But I think I also, depending on what I was eating, because sometimes I was eating dishes that were raw. And I think I had to teach myself that if I am eating raw, I can eat more in abundance. And it's more so what's on your plate and educating yourself on what you need to have in a certain percentage and what you can have a lot of. Like if you want to have a lot of broccoli, a lot of spinach, leafy greens, things like that, then that's fine. You're not going to gain weight from that. <laughs> but if you're filling up on a lot of starches like rice and, and potatoes and things like that, then you kind of have to watch how much you're eating of that in a sense. You know, I'm not saying that you should just eat potatoes once a week or something like that, but you just have to change your mindset. Cause especially when I'm eating raw, I don't really count my calories, but I don't always eat hundred percent raw. So if I'm going to eat something else that's not raw, maybe later in the day or maybe next week, then I might go back to not, I never really count calories. That's not something I really like to do. I was going to say, I don't at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I think 
I bet my better answer, better way to describe it is that I watch my portions, but I don't mm-hmm. necessarily watch my portions when I'm eating raw. When I make a salad, I make a huge salad and then whatever I put on top of it, like, I don't know, like I recently posted something with oyster mushrooms, king oyster mushrooms. So I kind of use that as my meat, so to speak. But it was a, it was a big salad and I was fine. But I think before I used to make like a smaller salad, like, oh, you know, yes. smaller portions. And exactly. watch how much I eat. <laughs> it's like, it's, right. <laughs> it's, like just- it's interesting. Oh. It's so true because it's interesting. Like, I, I think a lot of times when people say they're hungry in the beginning, at least this is my experience. It's like you make the you're used to like a side, a salad being a side dish, not your main dish. Yeah. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to just eat this salad that I picked up from somewhere. And it's like, uh, it's a little ass salad. You're like, no wonder I'm hungry 30 minutes later because that was just like a bowl of water in a way. <laughs> of course, you're going to be hungry. So it is a mindset shift. Like it, it when I make a salad now, and I know you can relate to, the, to this too. It's like, there's some beans in there. There's some avocado in there. There's like a lot of good greens in there. There's some nuts in there. I make it like a cashew base dressing to go with it. And you know, things like that. So it feels more satisfying. It's not like this little romaine and some shredded carrots thing. No, you can't do that. <laughs> exactly. And you know, my salads are big with tons of veggies in them. And I think my mistake in the past was maybe just doing lettuce and then, you know, Cucumber. <laughs> right? And then being like, why am I not full? <laughs> right. It's, and that's true. Just like even when the way we eat fruit, you know, a lot of us are kind of used to just having fruit as a snack on the side. And then then when we become vegan, we're thinking, oh, that is our meal with some cashews. It's like, no, this is not your meal. This is why you're hungry because it's probably not enough food. <laughs> it's probably not. So it, it does take some time to shift your mindset around that. But I love what you said about the mushrooms about how you use that as a replacement. Was that easy for you to do when you first started your journey as far as looking at something and saying, okay, this is how I'm going to put a meal together. These oyster mushrooms are going to be like my protein for the meal or my meat replacement for the meal. And then I will have maybe some potatoes and some spinach. You know what I'm saying? Like, were you able to like instantly be able to do that or did it take you time to adjust? No, I think it was pretty easy, especially because... You know, I literally watched like probably almost every YouTube episode of Tabitha Brown's cooking. (laughs) Okay. So Tabitha, you're a super fan, it sounds like. (laughs) Definitely a super fan. And I found her late in the game. So she was already kind of like, these were like old videos and this is like pandemic, like we're not going anywhere. And so I had some free time on my hands. So she, she just made a lot of dishes that I really liked. And then I remember she made like this raw taco meat or she cooked it too, but I ate it raw and I ate it cooked and I liked it both ways, but it was with mushrooms and bell peppers and onions and mushrooms, onions, bell peppers. And the main ingredient, which was the walnuts or pecans. And then I asked you with the walnut meat. Yeah. And I was just shocked because I think people forget that vegans still have taste buds, you know? And I think that was maybe for me, the aha moment. It's like, okay, wow, there's actually really cool vegan dishes and it's not just salads and tofu. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and so, and just like mock meats. Cause I, I wasn't trying to survive off of those three things. You know, I, yeah. I really wanted to be able to make plants and legumes, nuts and seeds, like just really taste good. And that way I wouldn't go astray. And so I think, you know, with anything, it's like you start veganizing meals that, that you like, and then you go from there. And now my meals look so completely different from what I was ever used to. And I think it's fine. You know, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm, yeah. You know, I, I don't miss anything about it. And I think if anything, it's been so eye-opening and such a healthy journey that I would, I could never go back to eating the way I did before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it because you're being able to see that, oh, I can pretty much eat whatever I want to eat and just do it more compassionately and healthy. So that's good. Yes, absolutely. So, okay, you've shared a lot lot of good tips in this episode, but I want to know, do you have any other tips for people who are just getting started and they're not even really sure where they should begin? Like, what are some of those easy first steps that you would give someone? Because I remember when we talked before, you mentioned Meatless Mondays, and I think that that's a good start, too. I mean, yes, because I I think that if you want to start there and just incorporate maybe you know, one whole day as being vegan, one meal as being vegan, and then start increasing it and not, I think the the key is that you have to not put pressure on yourself. Like I have to be vegan. I have to be hundred percent vegan or nothing. It's like, there's, everybody has a different journey. And I think at the end of the day, we have to respect everybody's process and how they do things. And so yeah, so just start with a meatless Monday. And then if you decide like you really like it, then make it two days and then make it three days and then make it like, okay, I'm going to have like one meal out of the whole week that's not vegan. But I think the best place to start is to try and follow as many people as you can find on Instagram and start following people to inspire you. I still like to go to Pinterest YouTube because they walk you through making a lot of these dishes. And for me, that was a big thing because I had no idea what I was doing. And I'm a visual learner. And if you're just handing me a recipe and I don't, you know, it's like a recipe kind of takes you there. But then at the same time, sometimes you just need someone to show you. And then the recipe will come together when you're measuring and and doing all that stuff. So I think that was the biggest part for me is I spent probably more hours than I would like to admit on YouTube watching different people cook vegan dishes. And, you know, there's different things like there's vegan soul food that I like to watch. So I'll watch certain people that make vegan soul food so that way I can get some ideas on that. If I want to eat raw, then I'll watch certain people to know how to make raw dishes. There's also some people that really like to follow Dr. McDougal's 50-50 50-50 plate, the starch solution. So there's specific YouTubers for that as well. These people are also on Instagram, but maybe if you're watching somebody that's a little bit smaller, maybe they might be, or maybe they not. They might not. But I think that's the first place to start. And then whatever you see in those recipes and try and find things that the ingredients are the same. So you're not just running out and buying like $300 worth of groceries and then you're maybe not going to use that sesame seed 
again <laughs> or the sesame seed. Yo, why did my mind go to tahini when you said that? <laughs> my mind went right there. It really did. Cause I was like, yeah, that's one of those things where <laughs> when I first went vegan, I bought and that shit, <laughs> excuse my French, but that sat in my pantry <laughs> for like months because I only used it for that one recipe. That is hilarious. <laughs> I was guilty of that. I got so excited. I'm like, yes, this is so amazing. It's going to be so good. And I failed. Probably so many uh, times. Because like I bought psyllium husk to make like vegan cheese ones. And wow. It was disgusting. And the psyllium husk is still sitting there. I'm not saying that it's maybe I messed up or maybe that was just the wrong recipe. But that's just a perfect example. The psyllium husk was not cheap. No, but, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but I was super excited. And I was like, yes, because I love cheese. And I was like, this, this is going to be amazing. And it was basically like nutritional yeast and psyllium husk. And I was like, this is disgusting. And then I threw it away. So it was a lot of trial and error and spending money. So I, to save other people time and money, it's like, just try and find a handful of recipes and try and reuse some of the same ingredients or find recipes that have some of the same ingredients. So that way you're not you know, going broke, <laughs> trying yeah. to make vegan dishes, especially if you're not fully vegan and then it'll just sit and then, you know, maybe go stale. Yeah, I agree. Oh my goodness. It, it's so many <laughs> moments of failure. And I think that's a, that's a lesson in itself that we have to all know to go into it, you know, not expecting things to be perfect because it's not going to be, it's going to take a lot of trial and error to figure out you know, like you were talking about the recipes and watching different videos, it's going to take some time to figure all of that out. So giving ourselves that grace, giving, you know, as you learn is important. Yeah. It's like learning a new language. At least that's how it was for me because I had to relearn what does a healthy meal look like being vegan? What does clean eating look like as a vegan? Because I think sometimes people think, okay, I'm going to swap out a beef patty for a, a beyond patty and then I'm healthy. And it's like, that's a healthier option, but I wouldn't necessarily say that that's healthy eating. Like that's junk food, mm-hmm. vegan stuff. And I think we should eat all of that with, with moderation. I was actually just having this conversation with a friend of mine that I met through Instagram, who's a vegan as well. And she doesn't eat soy. And so she she's just like, oh, I don't want soy. I don't, you know, everyone's saying like all these bad things about soy. And I'm like, yeah, soy's gotten a bad rap over the years. But at the same time, I've also done my own research and I've listened to vegan doctors and things like that to where I actually reincorporated soy back into my diet. And I just told her, I said, everything should be within moderation. Like we shouldn't eat a ton of soy. We shouldn't be eating a ton of Beyond Patties. We shouldn't be having a ton of nuts. We shouldn't be having a ton of avocados. All of that should be within moderation. But I, you know, everyone has to do what they feel is comfortable for them, but that's how I lead my life. (laughs) I think we should all just, yeah, you know, you just have to be happy and, and do what makes you happy and not try to force yourself into a box I was, I did eat raw also like for two to three months straight, but then I realized like I was just getting bored and some people are hundred percent raw and they've been doing it for a very long time, but it just didn't work for me. 
And that's another lesson too. Look at all these lessons because like you said, you can just do what works best for your situation always. And that's so important to me too. So I get it. Yeah. So before we wrap up, let us know how we can find you on Instagram and what we can expect from your page going forward. Right now I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Ida, And basically my page is just kind of sharing my journey on recipes that I've either found or recipes that I've created myself, kind of just giving some basic knowledge about what I know and things like that. So I'm always welcome to, you know, I I take the meatless Monday person. I will take the I'm 50% vegan person. You know, I'll take anyone that's on their journey that wants to know more about veganism. And I just try to make it as simple as possible and just be honest about kind of where I'm at on my path. And I think it definitely shows on my page. Yeah, sounds good. I didn't realize you were on TikTok. Is that where you are the most active? I just started on TikTok. I'm mostly active ah. on Instagram. I've been trying to spread spread out. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all wrong with that. So yes, this has been a pleasure, Ida. And I will make sure that I link to all of your, your TikTok and your Instagram on the blog post at brownvegan.com. And yeah, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you next week.